Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to drink the best of all possible beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we are the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading Candide, or Optimism, by Voltaire. And someone's starting with a beer. So, this beer is called Take Me to Your Leader by Greenpoint, because many times... Both Candide seems to know the leader of whatever countries he, he's in, especially of this of Prussia, where he is in the beginning. But also, like in any like late, very later chapter, he meets with like five deposed kings. Six, anyway, six, of six them. deposed kings. A baker's anyway. half dozen. <laughs> <laughs> this is "Take Me to Your Leader" by Greenpoint, New England style, India Pale Ale, seven point two percent alcohol. And yeah, it's nice. It's not as uh, it's not as creamy as the other half beers I've been drinking lately, but you know it is still very nice. Man, yep. it could have been, and we in our garden we cultivate hops. No, no, fucking. I'm trying to think of how to do any other lines from this stupid book, <laughs> and we're not going to half-ass this one. <laughs> that comes up a lot. <laughs> so, Candide. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia page because I didn't look up the date. And so it looks like it was Candide or French. Candide. I don't know if I actually say it. <laughs> uh, first published in 1759 and tormenting students since. <laughs> Tells the story of Candide, who is a young fucking moron who lives in Westphalia. Which I guess in, at this time Germany didn't exist, so it's like one of those. I think someone someone was born and raised there, where he spent many a day on the playground. Oh yes, <laughs> that's on the playgrounds where he did indeed spend most of his days. Yes, and this was was this the tail end of the the little ice age? Were they maxing out, laxing all cool still? I believe that was the time. Yes, Nate is not aware of what's happening. <laughs> No. So I. <laughs> so, oh, wait, what were you saying? Nothing. That's fine. He was Go West home, Philly, I mean, born and raised. on to Bel Air. <laughs> oh, okay. He got into one <laughs> petite fight. <laughs> Ooh, petite Actually, fight. Candide gets into a lot of fights. Yeah, yes, and some are, are not petite. No. So it's, it starts off with. So, uh, wait, hold on. This, we should talk about uh, anything who about Voltaire is. He's an asshole. So <laughs> when all the robots come together to make one bigger robot? <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually when all the philosophes come together. <laughs> and they, they just do a big piggyback ride. <laughs> they're like, and we right, are Voltaire. And write one <laughs> just giant... Just be Voltaire. <laughs> one giant book. So Voltaire, at least according to the Gagito introduction of... <laughs> uh, uh, according to the introduction of this version of Candide was the the preeminent thinker of the Enlightenment. Yeah, I don't know about Which that. Which I was like, eh, I know he was big. And this and is also, the book we read because it's short. That wasn't his real name. It was, uh, that was his pen name. It uh, was Francois, what a fucking trailblazer, you French prick. Francois <laughs> Marie. Uh, uh, it, looks like, it looks as Arouette. How would you actually pronounce that? I don't, know, how, I don't know what these IPA symbols mean. I think it's Arroway, but it does have uh, like, that's the, the elf over from the fucking uh, Lord of the Rings Arroway. <laughs> anyway, so Voltaire, writer, very, very, infl- definitely yeah, very influential. Ar- Arroway. Uh, he 
he, he, you know, criticized either the king, like King Louis the Fifteenth, or uh, the the Catholic Church, and was literally thrown into the Bastille for eleven months for criticizing the king. And afterward, literally lived in England for a while. He literally decided to flee the country to just like be, take accept exile, rather, and keep writing his like annoying things rather than um rather than just be nice. So he's famous for championing the freedom of speech, stuff like that. Also, another fun fact about him, he became wealthy by exploiting a flaw in the lo- mathematical flaw in the lottery. And that's how he could afford to just write philosophical what? nonsense. He First of all, up. they had a lottery back then? Yeah, apparently. Mm. Uh-huh. Anyway, in, in, interesting dude. So anyway, this particular... So he wrote a lot of things, a lot of, of like works of philosophy... He did not think, at least according to the introduction of this book, he didn't think this would be what he would be remembered for. He thought this was a silly little story that was about exactly one thing that Leibniz is wrong and then nothing else. And then like, this would just be like a funny little thing. This was a diss track. This was, uh, the whole book was him just score settling with everybody who had pissed him off. (laughs) <laughs> just every person he can get like yeah and, and then he must have had like a list like in billy madison you know he had like people to kill list <laughs> he had a list and he was like all right i need a goat fucker in this town and it's that guy and let's put him in the book right here and uh then they met so-and-so the goat fucker huh ha 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 take that <laughs> <laughs> the goat went, fucker named russo yeah he yeah. just went through everybody he fucking ever heard of John Lockenballs. My <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, get anyway, rid of them so all. It'd be it wouldn't be like Philosophy's choice. It'd just be easy. Emmanuel's a real cunt. Leibniz nits. <laughs> <laughs> this did. This was about philosophy that we, or at least I, and I'm assuming you guys generally, almost know nothing about. No one knows this shit. <laughs> So I oh, didn't realize any of it. <laughs> I didn't realize. So I actually know a little bit about it. So I didn't realize Leibniz was a philosopher. I thought he was just a mathematician. No, apparently he was a philosopher as well. All right, are we going to do the thing where we both say his name differently the whole time and no one? <laughs> I always thought it was Leibniz. I just thought the rule was in German when the second ver- second vowel goes walking, that does the talking or uh, whatever, you know? So you Leibniz. think it's Leibniz? I think it's yeah. Leibniz. You think Leib- it's Leibniz? Leib- Leibniz. You've been saying Lieb. I've been saying Leibniz. I don't okay. know. Now I don't know what's happening. See, now I don't know either. But he's the guy oh, who okay. invented triangles, right? No, he, he invented <laughs> calculus. <laughs> they had two sided shapes his and then they had four sided shapes. He's like, there's like got to be something in the middle here. But smaller. Wait. He he made up his own version of calculus. And he's so, like, hey, these angles, these are these are cute. And I th- apparently I uh, both quit being obtuse. Leibniz and. Newton basically invented calculus at the same time, more or less independently. But <laughs> no one did, Jimmy. Is, no one did. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But Newton took the credit for it, and however, and the took fakes. the credit for it, and is sort of known as the person who invented calculus, which he did invent calculus. But, but Le- Leibniz, Leibniz did it independently, oh, and I he think, also did it independently. Though I think today, because I never actually took calculus, because I went to uh, dumb school and learned about music. <laughs> <laughs> social studies. Um, I think we, I thought we used Leibniz's writing system for it, though. 
Yes. So that when people actually do calculus in school, they're really using, they're really doing it the way Leibniz or Leibniz. <laughs> We're gonna keep fucking to Leibniz. Leibniz. Um, it because Newton's like thing, even though it made sense mathematically, is just way more confusing. I just know is now, that the thing we see like that calculus, big, that so big I couldn't crooked tell you what e, that is. This the sigma, like that funky looking e thing. That's Euler's number. That's not. That's uh, a different. The thing. Oilers are a Canadian hockey team, Nate. I don't know what you're saying. No, no, no. Oilers hunt those big fish. Oh, that's true. I just know seeing that cool E thing, I'm like, can I write that the same way I wrote that S thing I did whenever I was bored in school? Yes, you can, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes, <laughs> I do. Uh, I remember when I learned how to do that, it was like fucking wizard. Like I unlocked a new dimension, which maybe that's what invented calculus felt like. But either way, Leibniz, we should find a new way to say his name every time. Uh, he <laughs> he believed so. Apparently, he's a philosopher as well, and he believed that he was. He's another one of those people that's like his resume is ridiculous. He's like a Van Helsing. He's like a mathematician and a philosopher and a lawyer and a fucking scientist and a you know hand model. And he just like did everything. <laughs> like it's like you read his Wikipedia page. The first paragraph is just lists of jobs he had. Like he spent like, one summer as a Walmart as a greeter. He's like I did a, a six week internship. At the Huffington Post. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll be quiet. So, okay, so a lot of the enlightenment is actually about religion and about logic in uh, logic and reason over religion. And Leibniz or Leibniz believed, uh, and this is the premise of the entire book, is that Leibniz believed that the the world, meaning the universe that we live in, that we inhabit is the best of all possible worlds. Now, I think I know, I don't I think I know why he thought that. Or at least he why was a rich people guy. thought that. <laughs> well, not just that. He wasn't just a fucking aristocrat. So, okay, it's about religion. So, God, the Christian God is thought to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing and good. And the most good, the most just and loves us, you know, loves people. So wouldn't it make sense that the all-powerful being that loves us and is good and just would create the best possible world for us, for people? Which That's, that's the idea, which... That falls apart under any scrutiny. <laughs> if you just look around for about two minutes, like, really? Well, anyway... His, his idea is like, it basically, you could say, it, it could be worse... <laughs> Is his attitude. It's like, listen, fucking children, like four out of ten children die instantly after birth. He's like, yeah, could have been five. That's his attitude. This is the best it could possibly be. This is the best it could be. This is the best it could be. I'm going to trust you because I don't know what calculus is. So that's that's sort of the uh, the premise. The premise of dead babies. That Voltaire. So the so the premise that this is the best possible world was is the premise that Voltaire was just going to mercilessly make fun of in every chapter of the book in this this a completely absurd way, which I don't I think he could have stopped after about four chapters and we would get the point. Yeah, but a lot of crazy shit happens in this book. But a lot, a lot that's of why shit. this beer is called Fire Skulls and Money. I believe that's a Warren Zevon song. It is, yes, also. Oh. 
this is from Toppling Goliath from fucking Iowa. Which, I, yeah, interesting. they uh, have a very very popular IPA series. Yeah. Well, this is a this is a diaper, which is what you wear when you are a baby <laughs> yeah. in in Staten Island, and it's very in it's a very state refreshing. of nature. Tastes like beer. It's it's good. It's very cold. I guess my fridge works. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I don't know. I'm not. It's, it's not going to stand out amongst the pantheon of no, other ones tough. like this. But it's it's good. And it's called Fire Skulls and Money because uh, Candide goes through some shit in this book. Oh, he does. And there are plenty. It's of like a fires mixture of. Yeah, this, this, this book struck me as a mixture of Don Quixote. Monty Python and Quentin Tarantino. If you smush those things together, I could see you that. Get this book, I could see that. Though they don't say the N word as much. That's the only thing. That's where they they left that bit of Tarantino out. Yeah, yeah. So, that, it was especially clear in that scene when Candide is like, "Where is my illuminated manuscript? It is the one that says bad motherfucker on it." And they're like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah. uh, so we have not gotten anywhere. Candide is born in. Thunder in the crotch, or whatever the fuck it was called, Westphalia. How do you say it? Like thunder, thunder ten talk, thunder ten trunk, some bullshit German thing. Which does that mean something? That was like the one. Uh, my ebook had fucking footnotes on every other word. It felt like, and I stopped reading them after a while because sometimes it'd be helpful. They'd be like, "Oh, this is a reference to the 15th century Franciscan friar Pablito <laughs> Quesadilla." Who lived and Voltaire once said was a pig dog. And you're like, all right, maybe that matters. He invented the concept of brushing your teeth after only certain meals and not all of them. (laughs) And then you'd read another footnote and you'd be like, that is another word for chair. Like, I think I figured that out. (laughs) (laughs) We're not always helpful. I'm not going to get through this book. So I stopped reading it, but there wasn't one about Thunderton Trunk. Like, I don't know if that was supposed to be a pun or just supposed to sound very Germanic. It does sound very Germanic. I can see that. And that's where he's from. And he's the son of the Baron, who's a big dude. I don't remember. Is he the son of the Baron? No. The Baron's daughter is Kunaganda or whatever. So he's 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 he's, he's an illegitimate oh, right. child. He's illegitimate of somebody. They might be cousins. Oh well I mean that's keep, That's okay back keep then. Keep it in the family. It's encouraged even. Hotness is hereditary, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't last. No. So he's at the at the castle with the Baron and the family, and he is hot for teacher. <laughs> Literally, he's hot for teacher. I've got my and so he like, kisses her hand, and then the Baron kicks him out of the castle because you guess you're not supposed to like kiss your teacher's hand. Well, isn't his his teacher is is Doctor Pangloss? No, no, his teacher is the lady, lady teacher, the chambermaid Pocket. Pocket, yeah, chambermaid's not a teacher. Chambermaid's a fucking chambermaid. I thought it was also his teacher. It I don't doesn't know. fucking matter because a million more things have to happen. We've not gotten through chapter one. So no. he gets kicked out. He does He does find, uh, I think he finds Pangloss fucking that woman in the bushes, actually. Just like the Oasis song. Yes. Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And so we meet so Dr. <laughs> Pangloss, which is going to be his professor. He's the his illegitimate his, like, son teacher. of the sister of the Baron. Oh, Cunegonde is his cousin. Yeah. Fervently believes that we live in the best of all possible worlds and will not give up that idea no matter what incredibly horrible things happen to him and all these other things. And there's also like 
war is going on and that, you know, that part was real. Slide, well, yeah, it was. One side slaughters the other side, and they rejoice. And then the other side slaughters the other side again, and they rejoice. And 30,000 are dead. And it's just like, oh, that's just another thing that happens. But so essentially, he gets kicked out. He gets scripted into several armies. And then the Bulgars come, which this was the best footnote I ever read, because I actually learned something from it. Yeah, Uh, I highlighted that footnote, too. (laughs) Yeah, please tell us about it, Nate, because it's... No, you can go ahead. I don't. I didn't <laughs> highlight it. I just remember. The, I, I was trying to internalize the message. Basically, the word "bugger," which is uh, English, you know, English and an England English word for cornholing, is cognate with Bulgarians. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were like, you know, those bul- you know, those people over there who the butt fuckers. <laughs> So, oh, this right, is, the butt fuckers. This is end note number two. Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> the, but the Bulgarians. The Bulgarians represent the Prussian troops of Frederick the Great in the Seven Years' War. Voltaire wishes to insinuate that both the soldiers and their leaders are homosexuals. The French word <laughs> bougre, like their English bugger, derives from the word Bulgarian because of the association of Bulgaria with the medieval sect of Bogo Mills, who were accused of sodomy. General Mills, full name. <laughs> so there's like a thing. Like, oh, the so there's still a whole country named after after sodomy. Buttfuck Town is what Bulgarian translates to directly. I think that's in Florida. Uh, I think that is Florida. Oh, yeah. It's, that's all of Florida. Miami. Uh, the Keys are <laughs> very much Buttfuck Town, but <laughs> uh, so. Uh, <laughs> He's like, they're coming into town to fuck our butts. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and then they come in and he run, he gets, I forget why he leaves already. He, I think he, I think he gets conscripted into the army or something. And then they come in and they presumably they murder and kill Kunigonda. Kunigonda? How do you say it? It's Kunigonda in the songs from the, the musical. Kunigonda. is how it's written. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, He's in the army and then he just kind of walks away and then ends up in a in the other army, and then he gets the shit beaten out of him. Yeah, I, I want to drink. This is this is for late, but I need a beer. Uh, <laughs> I, this is so much so much dumb book. Um, there will be a part later where they have lots of money, but not for a while. And you would think when they have all that money, like, hey, going to Green City, because they do. Also, <laughs> they end up in Chile and uh, or somewhere, and they'll end up in El Dorado. Oh, right, which is Pensacola, Florida, and they. Yeah. Ask, ask Ponce de Leon or one of those dumb guys. So there's an IPA from other half. Also, I could just I could keep thinking of reasons How to use How many this. of those have you had? You know, it's the one, uh, the bodega by my job. They always have this, or they don't always have it. When they do, I buy several. Because <laughs> it's a lot more convenient than going to fucking other half. Oh, yeah. I don't live near Williamsburg. Or no, Gowanus. <laughs> Stupid Brooklyn town. That's where the Bulgarians live. The Bulgar- it's, it is a Bulgarian <laughs> enclave. you got to be careful there. <laughs> they call it Peen City. <laughs> so anyway, he, he ends up getting sent away. And, and honestly, for us to keep track of all the data, it doesn't matter. So if you're reading this, listening to this for a class, you're fucked. Um, you should just read it. It takes two hours. So, okay. So um, he gets kicked out of the castle. And then there's a 
big, uh, there's like a big two armies that absolutely like decimate each other, but yet also they celebrate. Oh, okay. So uh, Candide is, has no money and he has to like survive on charity. And so he meets James the Anabaptist, who I guess is not a Baptist. And then he, he gets help and then he meets Dr. Pangloss again. This is, though I thought it was like a day later, but by now Pangloss is like, syphilitic and entirely like covered in sores and is like been like looks just like a homeless beggar he's been fucking in the bushes yeah well that must be it uh and though it's suddenly but yet even though he's absolutely miserable and just horribly diseased pangloss is still like this is the best of all possible worlds it could have been aids (laughs) (laughs) and then they go to, and then they get on a boat and they go to Lisbon, Lisbon, Portugal. And this is a reference to the Lisbon earthquake, which happened in 1755 and was kind of famous for happening. It wasn't, didn't actually happen on a Sunday, but it happened on a religious holiday where there's a massive earthquake in which thousands and thousands of people Tens died of thousands, like. while sitting in church. Well, because the churches they were sitting in were just, you know, they weren't up to code. They were crushed, you know, crushed when, like, the ceilings collapsed. Whereas the bums, like, you know, sleeping off their hangovers on the, on the beach, they were fine. But all the people in church died. Because uh, God wanted them then. Come home. Come to me now. I guess. I am a merciful God. I'll make the bums wait. But it's also known in history as the last time anything happened in Portugal that people cared about. Because <laughs> name me another thing that happened in Portugal. Um, they make those they make those uh, egg tarts that are pretty good. I think I think I'll, I mean I'm, I'm going to risk offending our Portuguese listeners. Pretty much everything that happens in Portugal also happens in Spain. You just pronounce it slightly differently. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. There's very little about Portugal. I mean, I'm sure it's a beautiful land, and they, they make take Brazil three hour naps a day. But yeah, they made Brazil. That plus slavery makes Brazil. Yeah, and just a few centuries after this book, they'd be like, "What if we just shave, just wax it all, just get it all off?" <laughs> oh, so we forgot <laughs> to mention that. So, uh, so after this big battle, there's the two big battles with the Bulgarians, and that the castle that Candide had been living in, staying in, where Cunegond, or whatever her name is, lives, was ransacked, and Cunegonde was raped and murdered by the soldiers, or at least Chopped to pieces. So. Yeah. As was her whole family. Mm-hmm. Because they're Bulgarians. They went to town on the boys, too. And, and Pangloss has, has syphilis, and he's still like, this is the best of all possible worlds. Uh, and then they, go to, then they go to Lisbon, only to get there just like as the Lisbon earthquake happens, and like tens of thousands of people are dead. And they're like, uh, and, uh, which people at the time, I'm sure, knew about, although the uh, candy that, that in the book doesn't explain too much about that. According to, my, uh, I, according to the footnotes and notes and uh, introduction to the edition that I read, this was like a big story of the day. And a lot of the things in here that to us are like, who obscure things, they were well known and anyone reading this would have recognized those references. So he's Forrest Gumping his way across 1700s Europe. Yeah, yeah, he kind of is. 
He's Forrest Gumping his way against more everybody violence. who has wronged Voltaire. <laughs> anybody who Voltaire's like, that guy's a shithead. I don't like him. <laughs> then I'm going to have my dumb guy spit on them. <laughs> Come, mule. Insult of the people. Then they go, you know, the Anabaptist thing I'm sure is important because I know the Anabaptists were a Protestant sect that were ruthlessly persecuted, but I don't know shit about them besides that. This requires a great deal of, like, historical knowledge that regular people do not have, nor will they ever have, because it's not important. Yep, and that's why, and I'll say, we'll get back to this at the end, but I had to read this in fucking high school. That was stupid. Mm. <laughs> that is stupid. That was the worst of all possible choices. Like, they really could have given us any other book, any book, and it would have been easier to understand than this. You, could I mean, have, you can kind of understand the things that are happening, but you don't really get the point of it. Because but, the concepts are like, yeah, and then he killed a bunch of people, and then he stabbed a guy, and then another guy got butt AIDS or something, and guy's <laughs> eye fell off. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, oh, that's, that's fucked up. But you're like, you don't really get that he's, this is an entirely a criticism of an obscure fucking idea of philosophy that a, we don't a guy who had been dead for 50 years <laughs> fuck him a guy who dead for 250 years uh, Leibniz died in 17 no I'm talking about when the book came out Leibniz died mm-hmm. in 1716 oh so he was already dead even when this okay. yeah, so way to hit a man when he was down Voltaire. Yeah. <laughs> six feet down you're talking shit about this dead guy <laughs> he's the best okay. of all the world, possible worlds now that you're dead <laughs> There's also so much more that happens. Uh, Dude, we're still in chapter three. There's 30 of these <laughs> fucking dumb episodes. Each one is Pangloss a dumb little adventure. Talks about uh, talks about you know this is the best of all possible worlds and gets arrested by the Portuguese Inquisition and is set to be executed in an auto de fe, which was the execution ceremony of the uh, Inquisition. But yet somehow Candide doesn't die. He gets, he, because he was just with Pangloss. So Pangloss gets hanged and um, Candide is just hung. Uh huh. No, Can, Can, no Candide, is, Candide is beaten and he's Pangloss whipped. is hanged. Yeah. Oh, I said, I said the rap. And then there's another Pangloss is hanged. Escapes. Candide just gets whipped like a million times. It's like a ridiculous, like he's like, he's, he's hided. This is the second time in three chapters that he's been beaten almost to death. Auto de fe. Yeah, auto de fe means act of faith, by the way. And this would be public, you know, burning of oh, witches. I thought, a, I thought it was car fire. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> what it is in a lot of the rough neighborhoods of Brazil these days. But it's, uh, he gets, it, it's a place for heretics to be burned alive, confessions. It's like, you know, a good old picnic and witch burning afternoon. Just like the Catholic Church liked, which Voltaire was not a huge fan of. So Pangloss dies no. and Candide escapes because, um, why not? There's an earthquake. There is another earthquake, um, yeah. but yet he also gets we also rescued. Skip, we skip, by the way, where Pangloss gets ill before this, and then the cure means he has to have like his eyes and ears cut off or something ridiculous like that. Like he loses an eye and an ear. He's like, "This is that's still okay. It's still cool. <laughs> it <laughs> would be worse to lose both of them. I, this I, is I still the best. I still have my syphilitic penis, so I guess <laughs> I'm okay." <laughs> Uh, and then, so and then, an old woman rescues him and brings him to Cunegonde, who is actually still alive. Because even though she was raped, she wasn't actually murdered. But she is now homeless because her father is dead, and the castle she grew up in is destroyed. Isn't but she owned she by w- somebody. 
She was owned by a Jewish merchant. Oh, yeah, this is where the anti-Semitism really kicks off. Well, it, it was does not. It stop. was a different time. I, uh, I, are you referring to the line, Jimmy, where he said he pointed out that it was beneath a person of my birth to belong to an Israelite? He's like, I mean, that's just one. Up till this point in the book, he's like, slavery is cool and all, but you don't want to be owned by a Jew. Like that's. Like there's the, there's the parts saying. later on when he has the the jewels from El Dorado and he sells them and he's like, you know, he he he's, he's I need to sell some more diamonds. Someone bring me a Jew, and so they just like <laughs> go get one. He's like, I'll buy your diamonds <laughs> for half price. Yes, for half price. it's the best the best he can do. It's the best he could. This do. is the best of all possible offers. This is. <laughs> <laughs> No, it really was for half price. That's how that's how Candy lost all his money after El Dorado. Okay, we're gonna get there. So, okay, finally, um, he's very candid about his feelings about the Jews. <laughs> yeah. So, was. because uh, apparently Cunagonda is owned by the Grand Inquisitor on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and and Saturdays, on Issachar, <laughs> Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, they have a fight. And alternating and, weekends. <laughs> yes. Uh, joint custody. And, uh, so, and then Candide kills the Inquisitor, because he's a Jesuit, and then puts on because his robe he's a Jesuit. and tries to run away. He kills, because the guy says something. Cause, he because kills them both. He kills the first guy because... He's uh, Candide is like, I will now that I have found my Kunaganda, I will take her home and marry her. And the guy's like, dude, you're trash. And he's like, fuck you. And Candide kills him. And then he kills the Jewish guy because he's a Jew. <laughs> he's just like, right. I mean, pretty much. Pretty like, much. Oh, well, it's pretty much. There was a really funny line like a little later. On, it's like, I mean, I've killed three people all like just this week. And two of them were priests. <laughs> <laughs> but then he, uh, he does that, and that's cool. So then he like gets on a horse and like rides away. Oh, also, this other line is funny too. Uh, my lord, the Inquisitor, was buried in a magnificent manner, and Master Issachar's body was thrown upon a dunghill. <laughs> 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 like gross. <laughs> Get him out of here. Anyway, and, and, and here is where you learn about. He escapes with the old woman, and here's where you learn about. The old woman's a uh, curious deformity. The most this is, this is the only part I remember about the book from high school. And uh, ask me a few weeks from now to be the only part I remember about the book from just reading it this week. She mentions it's the best of all possible deformities. Once or twice a sentence, she mentions that she only has one butt cheek. <laughs> it just comes up relentlessly. <laughs> They're like, "We must leave. We must flee." She's like, "Yes, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to half-ass it." For I have but one buttocks. And they're like, uh, okay. And they just accept that the first 160 times. No matter what it is. Like, we get on your horse and ride. She's like, yes, but I will ride side saddle for I have one buttocks. <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on. She only has one butt cheek. And you find out her whole story. Is it around now? Can we just say her stupid yeah, story? Right yeah. That you find out she was the daughter of a, per, a pope. Pope a, Urban Urban X, Urban. ancestor of Triple X of Vin Diesel fame. <laughs> yes. Who was not a real pope, so he makes up a pope here. This is where Voltaire plays it a little safe. And he, <laughs> don't want to get put in jail again. He makes one of everybody else by name, but the pope is like, yeah, I'll tell you, just in case they're right. So then he 
Pope Urban X has a mistress who is some princess. I don't really fucking remember who. And then uh, she... The princess of Palestrina. All right. So she's some Goomba, some Goombata. And old lady who... I don't even... Does she even have a fucking name? Is she just the old lady? Does she get a name? She's just the old woman. Yeah. (laughs) Not even like the old one butt-cheeked woman. The old woman... Tell us how she was the most hottest young thing ever, and everybody wanted to fucking fuck her. And eventually, she gets kidnapped and she's uh, brought into slavery by like the Moors or some shit. And then uh, she, you know, gets just like relentlessly raped because that's what happens to every female character in the book. And at some point, there's like a, a plague and a, and a siege. And they're like, we need food. We're going to have to eat one butt cheek at a time. And they cut off her butt cheek and eat it. <laughs> and she was like, when I said eat my ass, that is not what I meant. You <laughs> fucking assholes. And like, listen, you better hope that they something happens sooner. We will come back for the rest of that ass. And she's like, all right, I'll be quiet. Like, we will get through this siege. No ifs, ands, or buts. <laughs> Watch your cheek, woman. (laughs) You're talking to a sultan. You should turn the other cheek. Yeah, that's that's. She can only do it once. She can't. Just like a whole rotation now. It's a pirouette, and she becomes a. She becomes like the slave of Don Issachar, the dead Jew guy. So she's like, oh, Candide and the old woman and Cunegonde. They get on a boat and then they go to Brazil. To wax that other half of her ass. <laughs> <laughs> Where they meet the governor with a hundred names. I, I wasn't sure if this was meant for an attempt at verity or he's making fun of Spanish names. <laughs> I'm, I'm, he must be. <laughs> also because they're in Brazil, which doesn't make much sense. That's true. Or could he just not have really given a fuck? I think he did not give a fuck because he, the name is clearly like Spanish. Was well, Governor Don Fernando de Ibarra. E Figueroa, E Mascarenas, E Macarena, E uh, hey, Biblioteca, Macarena, uh, e, e Lampordos, E Souza. Those sound vaguely mixed, but who knows? I'm not an expert. They don't sound particularly Brazilian to me. But I mean, like the the Y for an and is Spanish. What do they do in Brazil? I Isn't it just an E? A fuck if I, I don't know, man. I don't know what they do down there. <laughs> I think they just have very, very attractive women walking around which, with very little body hair. That's what I understand about Brazil. And then some very Teutonic people living there. We're like, yeah. yes, we have also been here for a long time. Don't ask us. <laughs> Generations. This is a very long time. I don't know anything about the fatherland. <laughs> Never been there. I was thinking that the other day. Like, I was, There was some video of like Tom Brady's ex-wife. She's Brazilian. I was like, she. Yeah, her last name is Bundchen. Yeah, she's fucking pretty crowdy. Like looking. her family was in the Bund. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she loved Tom Brady. She's like, look at this Uber mensch. <laughs> so then they get to Buenos Aires, and then, and then the governor wants to marry Cunegond. She's still hot. She still has her hotness. Yeah, doesn't last, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, Spoiler. Candide, then he goes to Paraguay, and he meets 
Kakambo. Well, he has to leave because the guy who wants to marry Kuniganda is like, there's a conflict there. So Candy runs away. No, this is the, the best of all possible Kend- running. Because <laughs> he's a governor and Candy is nobody. So it's like, yeah, okay. And it's when he brings his uh, Kakambo. He suddenly has a companion who was there the whole time, but wasn't. Who's very, very uh, helpful and honest yeah. and conveniently well, he speaks local. all the languages. He, he's, a, he's a local. He's from Peru. I'm picturing uh, the guy from Captain Planet who says heart. What was his name? I don't remember his name. He, I think he was you know, Guatemalan? I think he was generic South American yeah. in Captain Planet. <laughs> they just didn't put a poncho and a sombrero on him, so they were like, it'll fool every American kid in 1993. It could be anywhere. The, the episode where they lost all their rings and they all got like, like one got a flamethrower, one got a super soaker mega gun, and one got an earthquake gun, and he just got like, nothing. You, you got nothing, dude. Just hug everybody. I don't know. Okay. So then See? they end up, for some reason, on a boat that gets brings them accidentally to a magical land. Peru. Where, <laughs> no, they go to uh, the Orayons. How do you say that word? I don't know. No idea. Well, first, they see the most important thing in the world. They see two naked women running around the woods and, like, sweet. This makes me want to spank my monkey. They're, and then they see by two monkeys and they're like, what? I am conflicted. And says, let me help these women. They are clearly being pursued by monkeys. <laughs> and he shoots the monkeys dead. And then the women weep because that was their fuck buddy monkeys. <laughs> and he's like, this is a strange land. And Pangloss would have said this is the best of all possible monkeys. The monkey that spanks itself. Yeah, but they, they're like, this is a land where women fuck monkeys. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to accept that and move on. And as the reader, you have to as well. Yeah. Now, you could get all literary and you'd be like, well, Kakambo is the one that tells him that they probably were fucking those monkeys. So maybe he's a liar. You know, Kakambo is not necessarily the most trustworthy guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of racism here. Yeah, I was wondering. But I was like, is that <laughs> is that what's happening? I think he just I think he's just being a racist. Like, look at these fucking natives and their monkey fuckers. Yeah, I mean, the Popol Vuh didn't say they didn't fuck monkeys, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then they are captured by the Orayons or whatever. By the Incas. Okay, they're literally they're literally Incas. Cause they don't, cause don't like Jesuits. Um, they had a bad experience once. And then Candide also like Candide is wearing the Jesuits' robes that he killed to escape. Cunegonde's brother. I know I read this, but like, oh my god, what happens? This is very difficult. <laughs> it's well, because, it's because the order doesn't matter very much. It it's doesn't. very confusing, and it's also stupid. And then they go to El Dorado. There you go. No, I think Kakambo talks his way out of it. I think it's all. And they, well, he and says, "Hey, he's not a Jesuit. He killed a Jesuit, and he's wearing his clothes." And they're like, "High five. Are you sure?" It's like, "Yeah, go ask those guys over there at the edge of your territory. They'll vouch for him." I don't know how that works, but they did. And he's like, "Hey, you want to have a big party and that you kill a Jesuit? Cool." And then they leave and go to El Dorado. They go, they go to go El back, Dorado, down, like, the fucking whitewater rapids to get there. Which they and then because the El Dorado apparently in this book actually exists, and they get super rich. And it's in French um, Guyana. 
Just like find because <laughs> they end up in Suriname shortly afterwards, so they're somewhere on that end of of yeah. South America. And now they have a hundred sheep that are just carrying diamonds. Oh, oh first they hundred red sheep. They hang out there for a while, and they're like, "Look at this! These kids are playing with piles of jewels and emeralds and gold." And everyone's like, "Doesn't think it matters. These must all be Sultan's children." And then some guys like, "No, those are homeless children." That's yeah. garbage. Jewels are meaningless here because they only use crypto in El Dorado. <laughs> it's all Dogecoin. There's <laughs> <laughs> Dogecoin here. Those are NFTs the kids are playing with. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon There's told me in a commercial boy. to buy this. <laughs> I watched a commercial with Tom Brady and Giselle. They said to buy it. So it was a smart move, right? Yeah. So, uh, they hang out there for a while, and they realize this place is the shit because everyone agrees, so there's no fighting, and everyone's just kind of happy. I mean, it doesn't really go into the details of the utopia that they have there, but it's the perfect place. There is no conflict, and they just have abundance, and eventually... And they're, like, sealed off from the rest of the world because of all the mountains, and no one ever attacks them to take stuff. Right. And so Candide is like, can I leave and go find my, you know girlfriend and the king's like that's stupid like that's not gonna be better than this this is probably the best of all possible worlds right here he's like no let me just can i just take like a hundred sheep like yeah we don't care about those sheep and can i take a lot of these rock and dirt things you don't care about like yeah whatever you guys are weird take your rocks and dirt meaning the gold and precious stones and then they you know have enough wealth to to become, you know, several popes. <laughs> and they, they take that, and quickly every sheep dies. <laughs> every, I think every one, right? There's, there's, there's eventually, like, a few left over that he gets onto a boat, which are then taken by pirates. But then the pirates are saying, he's got one, ship, one sheep left, which is where he gets all his diamonds to sell to Jews he summons. And that's how he has money for the rest of his trip. So, so he meets, uh, he, Marty. he meets, he eventually goes to, after, after El Dorado, he goes to Suriname, which, which is, is in, right next to Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they sending me to Suriname. <laughs> where, and then he meets, um, a guy named Martin, who yeah. is a, Manichaean scholar, the first non-stupid name, by the way. But he has a stupid, stupid job. Well, manic Manichaeanism, Manichaeanism. I don't know what that. Is. That's like basically the idea that there's. It's like I guess it, is it is it like a like a it's the struggle between bi-theistic worldview. Like there's like two forces. You know, there's a good and evil. It reveres Manny as the final prophet after Zoroaster, Gautama Buddha, and Jesus. I just know you hear the so term. They're like kind of like Mormons. No, but you hear the term Manichaean used by you know. I've literally pre- pre- never it's just heard that. Good versus used. evil, but but you hear it used by pretentious people sometimes, uh, or you know, people erudite people to say, you know when to describe something that is very black and white. Right there is just it's one or the other. And in Manichaeism, Manichaeism, it's good and evil. Everything is one or the other as opposed to something more uh, nuanced or something like 
yin and yang or whatever, where they're kind of, kind of, a, there's a little bit of one and the other. Here it's like, no, no, it's good and bad. Everything is one or the other. Hmm. And I think Candide is critical of this perspective too here because Martin's a shithead. But I have, I have heard that word said by people who weren't like just professors. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't come up with everyday people ever. You know what? Let's, let's bring it back. And then after that, they go to England where they go to England and as soon as they arrive, they see an admiral who is being executed because he didn't kill enough of the enemy. Which is based on a real dude. That was based on a real guy. I read the footnote. Forgot his name. (laughs) But it was a real... Admiral Bing, Chandler's great-great-grandfather. John Bing, (laughs) British Royal Navy officer, was court-martialed and executed by firing squad. It's a... That's fun. He was found guilty of failing to do his utmost to prevent Menorca from falling to the French. You know, one of those events that never mattered. (laughs) (laughs) Except in the quest for empire. What the fuck is Menorca? I think it's the small uh, Mallorca. Mallorca is... I think it actually is, yeah. There's major Orca. But that's like on the other side of the fucking continent. And what was after that? I guess I know it's thing. something to do with the Seven Years' War. That's everything in this book is the Seven Years' War, which is also the French-Indian War, mm. which, of course, is a war that lasted for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> they were rounding off to the nearest seven. <laughs> I think it lasted, I think, it, I mean, I don't know if it lasted for nine years. I think, though, it's like a complicated thing. It's one of those misnamed stupid things. Well, sometimes referred to as the real First World War because fighting happened in Europe and in North America and in India. So it's like kind of involved a lot of and territory. And the Caribbean and South America too. So World War Point Five yeah. is the prequel. Yeah. It's the, pre- <laughs> it's the better build of <laughs> the, the World War. Still hammering out all the bugs. So release candidate 0.8.5. <laughs> but I think the French Indian War is like part of that. Yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah, if you include the French Indian War, it's a nine-year war. <laughs> Fucking dumb Brits. Is this the, is using it, metric years? Does this also? What, is this one also include the War of Jenkins' ear? Or is that? I the, think that was different. Is that the War of like Austrian Succession or something like that? I don't have any idea what that is. There's this. There's this conflict. That was like a decade between uh, Britain and Spain called the War of Jenkins' Ear. <laughs> it's early. It's 1740s, the French-Indian War slash Seven Years' War, 1750s to 60s. Because, again, it was just constant warfare between these powers as they were like, hey, there's brown people to exploit. I want them. No, I want them. And they just kept doing that. But there was a guy named Jenkins, I don't know, Bob Jenkins, I don't know what his name was, who he was a, you know, on a British ship and the Spanish allegedly came on and cut off his ear while they were searching for shit. And so he appeared before parliament and was like, motherfuckers fix this. And they're like, let's declare war for the sake of his ear. Eight <laughs> years later, <laughs> they did it. They declared war. Eight and years later, ear. it was hard for them to hear what he was saying. <laughs> well, because he didn't have an ear. <laughs> it, parliament is weird. <laughs> It's the <laughs> trans like property sometimes. of years. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, oh yeah, it's, okay, I'm, I'm Googled. War of Jenkins' ear, it was related to the War of Austrian Succession. 
which that is also sometimes called the First World War. Sure. They were just, they were just we just got to fuck up shit everywhere. Make the poor people die for a handful of rich people. <laughs> yeah. Good thing we don't do that anymore. No. It's like two handfuls of rich people, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Wealth redistribution. So, okay, they immediately leave England. Uh, It's actually health redistribution. (laughs) (laughs) They immediately leave England and they go to Venice where they meet, where they dine with six strangers who all happen to be deposed kings. What do kings wear, Nate? Oh, God. Crowns? They do wear crowns. Oh. I also saw that in this store today. <laughs> this is called green crowns. <laughs> Maybe their crowns are a little bit tarnished. I don't know. Uh, this is from other half. Green crowns is Imperial West Coast in India Pale. It's 8.5% alcohol. This is the opposite of what other half makes all the time. All they make are dank-ass New England IPAs. This is like a... It says on the can... Specifically, a crisp, clean, and clear Imperial West Coast IPA. We need you to know this ahead of time so you do not complain to us after you buy it. You know what? I didn't realize that when I bought this at the brewery the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's, I haven't had that one. I'll take those beers, please. And if I had known it was, I went, eh, I don't know if I would have bought it. <laughs> they, it is, it, I definitely get the piney bitterness of the West Coast style, but it is not nearly as actually bitter. It's sort of, they're, they're, they're hedging a bit, but it's still very good. But it's not as sweet and, uh, you know, gout-inducing as some of the other ones are. So I say bullshit. I don't want it. If you want to be the best of all possible listeners, you could head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club where you could support the podcast and get early access to episodes, exclusive content, and all sorts of other good stuff and help keep the podcast going and the liver damage flowing. If you don't want to do that, that's okay. You could also just leave us a review. Just round up to five stars, one for every six dozen stupid things that happens in this book or just tell people to listen to it. That would be the best of all possible things too. Or at least a pretty good one of the possible things to do. <laughs> and you know, give it the give it a review and give it the best of all possible scores. <laughs> and like write a review, like five stars is sweet. Like go on iTunes, like, like write something. Like, it doesn't have to be nice. You could just give five stars and you write something <clears throat> funny. Like these guys are dumb. They are poo poo pantses. And then uh, all right, yeah, whatever, man. Five stars, I'll take it. That is true. Some, I mean, Sometimes. If it's true part of the time, does it make it true all the time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a philosophical yeah. question. You I, fuck one goat. Yeah, right. <laughs> you ask uh, the, the philosopher Leibschitz, and uh, he'll tell you all about it. When you sit down, poop is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Thus shat Zarathustra. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> back to Candide. Zarapustra. Ah, right, yes. Something you can so, think about when you're also, sitting on the can. He also <laughs> he runs into Paquette, who's now a sad prostitute. She was Pangloss's side uh, bitch in the bushes, the one who gave him syphilis. Well, she definitely has like three three strands of it now as a hooker in 1700s Europe. <laughs> yeah, you could just like the, the the Johns would probably be able to vi- like see her face eroding <laughs> from the syphilis. 
Must have been pretty fucking grim. <laughs> and then they hire another ship, and then they go to Constantinople, also known as Istanbul. Well, where in, in we have to, you skipped over all the. He hangs out with all those, all those, all the kings. He hangs out with all the kings. One of whom is the king from the fucking time travel fuck book. What's the name of it? Yes, it was the uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie. Yeah, Outlander. Outlander. That's what it was. And he doesn't want me- once mention a time traveling fuck lady. Sassanach. <laughs> uh, my favorite of the fake of the kings. They were all real because I, I clicked every footnote because it was like I am th- I am Teddy, and you're like, all right, who's that? And you're like, he was Theodore of Corsica. Or there's like two fake Polish kings, but they thought they had four thrones between them because they were Polish. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> of course, it was Stanislav. <laughs> Stanislav Lushvinsky. Um, yeah, no one knows how to say that. I'm looking at it, and uh, it's it's funny. Like the IPA pronunciation is just the same name written again. They're like, "Go fuck yourself." You figure that out. <laughs> but Theodore of Corsica was my favorite because he was a. I don't. I really want to understand who this man was, but he was a German adventurer who was briefly elected king of Corsica. <laughs> Did you read this? He was the. He was elected king of Corsica. Not a lot of elected kings out right? there. And he was elected king for eight months, and then he was removed for whatever reason. And then he spent basically the rest of his life in poverty in England. <laughs> Dude had really. Had some ups and downs. It was a journey. <laughs> like imagine like a, like a homeless guy, like it's gonna change. I used to be a king, you know. <laughs> like, sure, buddy. Weren't we all? <laughs> have another cup of ale. <laughs> I'd have my guards on you so fast. <laughs> I really want to understand who that character was. And there and there's five other ones. Maybe they're all fascinating. You know, Augustus of uh, of Poland. Uh, the, the I, oh, the other one was fucked up was Ivan the Sixth of Russia, who was imprisoned when he was like five months old. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Russia! They're like he is the next uh, heir of Russia. And they're like, no, he's not. <laughs> and they put him in jail for his life. And he, he got a real real time out. And they executed him. Oh my god. Hey, he was only two months old when he was proclaimed emperor and his mother named Regent. The throne was seized in a coup after a year. His parents were imprisoned and he spent the they all spent the rest of their lives in captivity. By the time he was twenty not quite twenty four, he was executed. <laughs> Sweet. Spent his entire life in prison since the time he was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's bleak. I mean, I think he's, it's probably like, I imagine like a house arrest kind of situation. Because in the book, he does say, I got to leave sometimes, but there was always guards there. <laughs> As if that makes it okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a strange little little powwow he had. Yeah, when they tried to get him out, I'm reading the Wikipedia article very quickly, of Ivan the Sixth of Russia. When one of his, he was in this prison, and when one guy tried to, like, free him and proclaim him the actual emperor of Russia, a whole bunch of guards who had secret orders to kill that guy if it ever happened. They just murdered him, right? They're like, oh, we've been found out. (laughs) Kill him. (laughs) And they killed him. (laughs) Best of all possible worlds. Sounds like it. So anyway, yeah, they were wearing green crowns. 
I don't know what happens next, actually. So then they go to Constantinople, oh, and man. they find Cunegonde, because they, they find out that Cunegonde is there, so Cunegonde is there. So they go to, Cun- but, to Constantinople, to Cunegonde, <laughs> but now she's horribly ugly, and it literally says it every third sentence. It's like, oh, and she's so ugly now. She, like, washed clothes for too long, and it made her skin bad. Well, that's, um, they did warn him. I forget who warned Kukumbo. him that she... Because Combo eventually finds him, but now Combo's also a slave because everyone oh. ends up being a slave at some point in this book. Uh, I, and then he's like, hey, I found her, but uh, I got to warn you, dude, she's not looking so good. And he's like, that's fine. Have you ever seen, uh, Nate, There's Something About Mary? Uh, yes. You've seen it, Jimmy, I'm sure, right? Mm. There's a... Ben Stiller's character is, is fixated at the beginning of the movie on, on um, Cameron Diaz, who we knew in high school, and he hires um, Matt, Dillon. Matt Dillon to find her, and then Matt Dillon finds that she's really fucking hot, and then he comes back and lies to him, and he's like, she's, he's, he tries to make it sound good, but he's like, yeah, she's, you know, she's about a deuce, deuce and a half. <laughs> she's got four kids from three different guys, and the guy's like, oh, no, no. But here's the thing, no ring. No ring, you know, like he just keeps <laughs> like making it sound like she's still attractive. Does she have a hump now? She got a bit of a hump, yeah. <laughs> she's a real spark plug, <laughs> and then uh, just and she, yeah, since they got her in the new wheelchair, she's really just doing like that's what happens to Cunicon. <laughs> she just becomes. <laughs> he's like, she was the hottest thing ever. Like, yeah, not well, not really anymore. And that's where the line from there's something up here. He's like. Where, where later on, Ben still is like, you know what, man? I really just, can you give me her information anyway? I really want to speak to her. And, and Matt Dillon's like, who? who? Roller pig? No. <laughs> 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 it's fucked up. It's the kind of joke that would not be acceptable today in a movie. <laughs> but, is it, is, but you said she's a spark plug. He's like, no, I said butt plug. <laughs> that's, that's actually the line in the movie. But Cunegonde has been wrecked. And uh, it's, he uh, also finds Pangloss yeah, as he, a, he, a he, galley slave. He and lived. Cunegonde's brother, even though Candide killed him earlier in the book. He got better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Candide buys their freedom, uh, like buys them. He's like, you're, you're free now. And Pangloss still says, I still hold to my opi- original opinions because, after all, I'm a philosopher, and it wouldn't be proper for me to recant since Leibniz cannot be wrong, and since pre-established harmony is the most beautiful thing in the world. So basically, after all, he's been a galley slave for now years. He's like, but Leibniz is still right. This is still the best of all possible worlds. Well, he did just get freed. You know, it's hard not to be optimistic in that moment. Things are looking up. And then and then Candide marries Cunegonde anyway, even though he's been warned that she's very ugly. <laughs> and they live on a small farm and everyone lives on the farm with them and they all just have a nice simple life raising food and just They doing talk the to thing. like the Turk guy and he asks them some riddles basically <laughs> about what is <laughs> happiness and they're like, I don't know. What has got two legs in the morning and yeah. <laughs> three in the nighttime. He's like, how do skeletons measure things? Like, what are you talking about? Graveyards. (laughs) God fucking damn it. That's (laughs) not even funny. (laughs) I get it. 
Mickey was mad at Minnie, not because she was fucking nuts. She was fucking goofy. All right, yeah, all right. Um, no, he, he basically was like, well, you know, what is, why does man suffer? And then at the end of the day, they're like, uh, we need to have a garden. <laughs> you must cultivate your garden, or our garden, or however the fuck they say at the end. But, the, but Candide ultimately is like, Pangloss, you're dumb. You might be flawed in your reasoning a little bit. We gotta have to like do our own thing, which is not the epic takedown that Voltaire probably thought it was. No, it wasn't. He's like I'm gonna spend a whole time like, look how dumb I made him look, and here's what I propose instead. One sentence at the end, which just goes to show, yeah. is much easier to tear down than to build up. Because <laughs> because Voltaire just goes to everybody who has ever side eyed him is in this book as a slave or a buttfucker, and at the end Voltaire has buttfucky. Oh uh, yeah, but oh yeah, buttfucky, or they're a buttfucker, <laughs> but it's like a moose. But the <laughs> at the end of it, he has nothing to offer to replace it. But this one sentence, no wonder Voltaire didn't think this was his like best work. Like, he didn't really like propose anything. I just felt that that was like a, a big a the big proposal. Flaw. Was just how about no? Yeah. <laughs> what about your face? <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> uh, your mother. Uh, I say to you, sir. Optimism. You're basic. <laughs> well, okay. If you still believe in God, and if you still, because people were still very religious back then, and Voltaire, I mean, I guess I don't know, but I assume he wasn't an atheist. I assume he was still a Christian. I, he has he no answer like, for like, well, what did God leave man? Voltaire was not, a deist. Yeah, the deist, though, that's like a, that's, I don't know what. It's a cop out. People use that term to mean a lot of different things. Either he was like a, I think there was a spirit, but it's an impersonal God, uh, which the atheists today like to claim the deists, you know, they'll like to be like, eh, we're basically atheists, they just didn't know that word yet. Voltaire believed in God, but did not believe in a God that personally intervened in people's lives. But just fucking said. No. Except I didn't he was just like, Wikipedia. yeah, he's real, but... It's like there's a creator, out. there's some sort of higher power, but he doesn't he, answer your prayers. He checked out. He never cared, or it it is so beyond us, it would not care about our fucking minor nonsense. And that's part of the book, too. There's a lot of religious criticism throughout the book. There's a lot of mention of various Christian sects and Protestant sects that were heretical. Some still exist. And butt sects. A lot of butt sects. <laughs> he has to just keep insulting them, too. He's like, die mother is so rotund. On the full moon, she turns into a warehouse. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, he just goes through all that. But he, I, I, I think he was a. Uh, I would say, in modern terms, he was at, at least an agnostic. You know, like I don't know. What do you mean by God? <laughs> Probably what his answer would be. But he was not a believer. Yeah. He was not like a. You know, any sort of organized religion guy. So I thought it was okay, at least in the beginning. At least because, like, in the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, this is uh, something kind of interesting about the Enlightenment. <laughs> and this is something interesting about it, his, like, thing, like, oh, this is not the best of all possible worlds. And, oh, that's so funny. 
about how Pangala still thinks that. And by the end of chapter three, it was like, okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, I see where you're going with this. Just 10 times this and to then go. The just 27 more chapters to go of the same thing. Oh, it's not the same thing. It's relentless, frenetic nonsense telling you the same lesson. Yes. But the story is wildly unpredictable and crazy. But Mm -hmm. after the fifth Bulgarian train gets run on Kuniganda, then you can be like, all right, I get it. This is, yeah, dude. Things aren't so good. Uh Uh-huh. Things is bad. What do you think, Jimothy? Yeah, I, I, I thought parts of it were funny. I liked it. But it was just like, I, I, you know, I get it. And, you know, critiques of old-timey philosophies are not exactly my bag. Your bag is Swedish-made penis and larger pumps? Yes, that was. That is bag. your bag, baby? No, not my bag, baby. Yeah. Um, even Voltaire was like, this is not my best work. <laughs> no, he, yeah, I, could have done, I could have done so much more with this. This is a trifle. Like, really? That one? You guys are still reading that one? It's like the married to the sea thing. Where it's like <laughs> Shakespeare's like, you are still reading Hamlet? I, re- just... I wrote that in like a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare got to get paid, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is basically Voltaire's shit out, like, hate letter to Leibniz, a dead man. And he has these other vast works of nonfiction that made him the great Enlightenment thinker. And then this is, this is like... If if I don't I don't really listen to like Bob Dylan, but if Bob Dylan did one children's song, everyone was like, "Wow, this is his best song." He'd be like, "What the fuck are you people talking about?" Well, he probably has one. There's so many Bob Dylan albums. There's there's got to be one like that's true. In Thomas the Tank Engine, you know, and he's like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you talking?" About? <laughs> Percy's alive, but yeah, this is this is. He, I mean, first, it doesn't help that Voltaire was apparently incredibly prolific writing hundreds of books plays he was the uh pamphlets short things missives james patterson of his time but he actually wrote them he he wasn't (laughs) franchising his name out (laughs) like you you do you know how a typewriter works you're james patterson too and (laughs) but i keep all the money yes sir james patterson is the borg (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are, we are James, James Patterson, Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So my question is Jimmy, did you have to read this in senior year of high school? You know what? I honestly can't remember This was a I know some people did But I, I don't remember I don't remember that I I don't remember that I actually did And I don't say that like I was supposed to when I didn't I honestly do not remember if If I was supposed to it did not stand out in my mind, if I did. So, I know we were supposed to read this in high school, and uh, I didn't because it was senior. It was like the second half of senior year. <laughs> not going to try now. And, nope. And it was just—I I don't remember very well. It was twenty fucking years ago almost, but I don't remember what they were hoping we got out of this. But whatever it was, I didn't get it, and I don't think anyone else did either. This is w- that's because it's a critique of Leibniz's 
philosophies that we do not know who that is or what his philosophy was. There are some passages that are very clear, right? There's the one about that's very clearly Voltaire says slavery is bad in this. When he meets the Caribbean slave who has like, you know, no hands or something. And he's like, this yeah. is what it costs for you to have sugar in like the guy your... Cost an t- arm and a leg. Literally an arm and a leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's like, oh, how cliche Voltaire. But he has... <laughs> um, cliche is French. Yeah, that's our word. Uh, but then... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, okay, that's so direct and so obvious. A high school student who, if you're capable of reading the words of this, you will get that message. Oh, he was critical yeah, of slavery. It's, it's not subtle. It's not. But the thing is, the, the the sly jabs at all of his enemies that you have to then understand. There's so much knowledge you need to understand that. That this, this is a steeped in context we do not have. Yeah, totally. It's like homeopathic tea. There was a tea bag steeped somewhere, and then they took one drop of that tea. And then they did that a bunch of times, and now we have that, and that's the context we have for this book. So it's even stronger. Well, in a sense, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of its ability to fight illness, yes. In terms of science. Yes. Well, because water has memory. But <laughs> the amount of shit you need to understand to, like, besides, just like the vocabulary of like weird specific terms are going to use, like, that's a, that's a barrier. Then the. Like, what was life like for the landed gentry in 1759? Like, that's a thing most of us don't have. And then understanding the geopolitical history. This was mostly read by the, you know, the rich, the landed gentry of France, the landed gentry of Europe hanging out, who who didn't have to work, and who hung out in their salons and just discussed literature. And I can only imagine that Voltaire was... This was like especially controversial. Although I think I think Voltaire was kind of a shock jock of his day uh-huh. of writing pretty extreme things. So he that by it by its own kind of thing made him famous before being controversial. Just the way the internet works. This is like if Christopher Hitchens wrote a New Yorker article. I'm sure he did that many times. Yeah. He wrote a lot for this Vanity like, Fair, actually. This is like somebody much more extreme than him. It's like if Opie and yeah. Anthony wrote a book on the history of <laughs> <laughs> if Howard Stern. If Howard Stern wrote for the MIT newspaper, yeah, I just I don't I just know what really that is. If there is one, just can I see the boobies? <laughs> My penis is so hard; it's three inches right now. He, that's all he. Did. You ever listen to Howard Stern show? Like back no, with, back no. in the nineties, like it was just like constantly. He would just have. It was very funny, but. You watch like I saw the movie. Yeah, you watch private parts. You're like, I am fully erect. It is four inches. It <laughs> is so hard. When he has like a naked woman in the studio, fucking. I used to like Howard Stern when he was on. Um, back when he was on TV, when I was in co- high school, supposed to read this book, uh, I didn't do that. Uh, not on TV, on the radio. Uh, I would listen to him on the the Carter School. I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> what did he just say? <laughs> I remember vividly him calling out the guy who ran the uh, FCC and calling him a pussy on, on the air. On the air. Like, send me a send me a fine, you pussy. Just like Voltaire. Yes, he's our Voltaire. He kind of is. He's a very very rich guy 
<laughs> He's like, Complaining I about speak stuff. for the people. <laughs> I saw them sometimes. I don't feel like doing that kind of work. I have opinions <laughs> that need to be shouted. <laughs> Listen, peasant. That's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> for not being charitable to anybody. That's how it works. <laughs> so again, going back to the idea of having kids read this, though, that's fucking child torture. No. <laughs> Who should read this? I mean, it's funny for the lady who's got one butt cheek. Oh, that's great. And like everybody's got syphilis. So you don't really get it because they don't say the word syphilis and you don't know what that is because it's not the 1800s anymore. Uh, though apparently syphilis is still very present in the South. Well, because it runs in the family. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I, I, there's no reason that uh, anyone that doesn't have a degree in European history or philosophy should read this. I couldn't name another Voltaire book. Could you name anything? I, I mean, it's mostly it's like nonfiction. He, he wrote, some, bio- he he wrote like novels. a random biography of such and such king. Or the essay on the spirit of the queef, or whatever, you know, like these random things. <laughs> Le queef. No, I, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think I could name another work by Voltaire. I know he has plenty of them. I could name them, though. I'm looking at the list. First off, it lives to like 83. Wow, that's impressive. No children. Yeah. He was too busy. That he knows of. He, uh, here is his biography of the. History of Charles the Twelfth, King of Sweden. Yeah, I, I'm going to get that one right away. <laughs> he has a shit. Oh, Z- Zadig, Zadig. How do you how do you even pronounce this? Zadig or the Book of Fate is another one that was mentioned many times in the uh, introduction essay. Don't know shit about it. Here's how you can tell. Honestly, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. A good number of his novellas and nonfiction works don't have their own Wikipedia page, which costs <laughs> nothing, right? It's it's there's, you can make a drunk guys book club Wikipedia page, at least for a little while. That it's not it doesn't cost you anything. All these years in, nobody has made a Wikipedia page on Voltaire's "The Story of a Good Brahmin" from seventeen fifty nine. Which was uh, poorly translated from the story of Le Petit Ramen that he this was in his college days. Now, like, th- there's no nobody gives a fuck about these things. Like, his plays seem to be popular, but unless you're a theater person, you're not going to know them. Like, some, he really hated Muslims. I mean, this is this was the time though when like the Muslims were still like, the Muslims like the Barbary pirates were still <laughs> capturing entire ships of people. Like you are now a sex slave. Well, he wrote a play called Fanaticism or Muhammad the Prophet. I I I, I, I he did I, praise Confucianism. All right, you do yours thing, man. Yeah, he just liked the five relationships. He's like women, man over woman, sweet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't name another fucking thing that I wrote. Oh my god, this novella section is massive. Yeah, and no one cares about them. It's got like fucking 30 novellas. It's like a whole season of, is- of uh, uh, Telemundo. <laughs> it's a lot of novellas. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fucking nonfiction, a lot of plays. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, you wouldn't really read a lot of stuff that he wrote unless you're looking into like Nonfiction shit, which I am definitely not into reading 
1700s nonfiction commentaries and other philosophies. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather die. Did you look at the bottom of that list of the collected works page? The collected works. No. Ouvre complet de voté. The, the the most recent edition was published between 1968 and 144 volumes. <laughs> volumes of stuff. It took six. It took 50 years to publish. Dude, that's incredible. <laughs> that's unbelievable how much shit this dude wrote. And this is the only... It also has every letter he wrote to Playboy. Oh, there's so. a lot. Dear <laughs> Penthouse Forum, I resent what you wrote in the last one. I have never smelled my fingers after doing that. <laughs> um, but this is that's an incredible amount of work that he produced yeah. to have... I mean, frankly... No wonder he didn't have any kids. Most people who lived, who have, have anything that, you know, survives in terms of, you know, uh, the, the, the canon or whatever, they have plenty of other shit that has been discarded, forgotten through the sieve of, of history. But man, for this guy to have 144 volumes of stuff just 250 years ago, and there's one short book <laughs> that anyone pays attention to... He's like uh, it's like Stephen King or the collective James Patterson. We are all James Patterson. <laughs> One of us. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone needs to read this anymore. So no one needs to read any of the 144 volumes then? <sighs> I mean, if you're like really into philosophy or you're like really into the Enlightenment, then yeah, that, there's probably some good stuff in there. If you are a normal person then probably not. But I think there's a reason that we could name as learned gentlemen other enlightenment philosophers and their specific idea and or the book that it came from. Did he have an idea or was he just like, no, that guy was stupid? I don't know. I honestly don't know what his contributions were except to be a critical prick, just a gadfly of the 1700s. Naysayer. Just like, no, that's not good either. And then he disappears to go fuck up fuck my mistress. <laughs> like, what is Voltaire's idea? I remember in high school. I remember He's Statler and Walter. I remember sitting in Mr. Greenberg's social studies class <laughs> in seventh year of high school as we try to understand the Enlightenment. And we're talking about, oh, Rousseau's idea is this. Locke's idea is this. Voltaire was there. Like, there was no Voltaire <laughs> idea. It was just like he was just kind of around. Like maybe he was constantly influencing and shaping things by you know being a critic and being a prick. But he was all about civil liberties. Mm. So I mean, I don't know if that's well, like that a was philosophical Locke. thing. But I mean, he must have discussed all of it. If, he with must that have much discussed shit, yeah. literally every topic that existed in the Enlightenment. Well, especially yeah. like volume one hundred and seventeen. Voltaire's theory of feces. That looks really good. That's not true. I made that up. The number. I don't know what number it is. Probably number two. But he has. He must have written he on everything. Created. If thou hast smelt it, thou hast dealt it. But it was written like more old timeyish. <laughs> well, it was in French, you know. Yes. If he who has rendered the the aroma into the air pretends to have not emitted it, he is most certainly the culprit. You know, like that does not have the same ring. If only that rhymed. It's French, so every word rhymes because it all sounds like... Farter and blah, blah. Papillon. 
poop. But he, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know enough about him, but I just know that every class I've ever had that mentioned the Enlightenment, we always learned a lot about fucking Rousseau and Locke. And Voltaire was like, and he was around there. <laughs> he was just there, jerking off in the corner. Just, uh, I must create. All right, if you learned about Voltaire, why don't you send us an email? <laughs> send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you want to support the podcast one more time, head over to drunk, uh, what? No, patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. Just do it before we Voltaire you a new one. Uh, because <laughs> I have the compulsion to make dad jokes, and no one listens this far into the episode. So do that. And. You can also join us on Goodreads, where we don't read Voltaire. Or do we? We did no. this time. And <laughs> check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.